guys, here's a guy that lives far away. He's been in our house on weekends several times because he, you know, he, he wants to be closer to the church. He wants to be closer to people following Jesus. And here he makes the decision to follow Jesus. And God reaches somebody. And he doesn't pay attention to the limitations that I see. And guys, I just want to encourage you. God will use you to reach somebody. And it may not be the way you think. Or it may not be the way that I think. And guys, it's just, a, it's just really cool. And someday you may have a video of you slamming somebody under the water up there. I think that's a, we need to change the Greek from dip, plunge, to slam them. I like it. I like that. Anyway, this morning, as I said, we, are, we have no notes in the, in the thing. We, are, we have been looking in our small groups at how to be peacemakers, at how to resolve conflicts that are, that are in our lives. And we've been doing this for several weeks. We've taken a break for Christmas. And what we talk about here on Sunday kind of parallels it and goes along with what you've been talking about. And I know by this point in time, everybody's out of sync. Everybody's in some, some people are in week five. Some people are in week six. Some people are in week seven. We understand how that all works. But today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. See, I told you I'd get back to it. And, guys, forgiveness is one of these topics that I think is one of the tough things about Christianity. I mean, when it comes to truly forgiving somebody who has hurt you in potentially a traumatic way or a horrific way, it is a challenge, is it not? I mean, sometimes it doesn't even have to be that bad. It's just that forgiveness, when we're hurt, daggone it, we don't want to forgive And it is a challenge to our humanity when we are called to forgive. And today we're going to be talking about some things. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles and you want to open up there, we're going to be reading that. And a little later on, we're going to be in Luke 7. Uh, But we're going to start in Matthew 18. And I believe in Matthew 18, if if you want to to learn how to be a forgiver, if you want to know the, the crux of the matter of forgiving people, you need to pay attention to Matthew 18. I I taught on this about five, six years ago, and I entitled it The Secret to Forgiving. You know, that'd be not the secret. Ooh, because that implies what? Easy. And guys, I believe it is. I believe forgiving can be easy, as we will talk about today. But I want to start off, I want to read Matthew chapter 18. Um, And we're going to be beginning down around verse 21, but just a little bit of background. The verses before that are about, well, let's just read it. We'll start in verse 15. Since we're not bound by PowerPoint today, I can go back and read more verses. In verse 15, it says, Jesus is talking. He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person lessens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, 
If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now I read that, guys, to kind of give you the background of of the question that Peter is about to ask. You see... Jesus is talking about what do you do when somebody sins against you? What do you do when somebody has hurt you? What do you do when somebody has violated you? And he gives them this this process of, of, of how to go through it, how to approach them, how to win them over, how to get them to repent. And so Peter, in all his brilliance, he asked a question beginning in verse 21. He says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord... How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You can kind of hear Jesus chuckling. He says, no, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And just so you know, he's not saying 490 is the number. 70 times seven is a, is a reference to just without end. That there's no limit to what you're, to your forgiving. Continuing on, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. Now, incidentally, guys, one of the things that gets lost in the translation of this passage from the original Greek language into our English, is where he's, it's transla- where he's translated that he owed him several million dollars. The, the term that was originally used was talents. And a talent was the equivalent of one year's wages. And if you do the math out to what they were talking about there, they're talking about several hundred years of wages. Okay? A little bit more than credit card debt is what we're saying. You know, I don't know if you've ever known somebody that had a lot of credit card debt. You only had 50000 or $100,000 of credit card debt. And you look and you go, wow. That means if you spent every penny you made for a year, you could pay it off. Maybe. But you can't. You've got to have something to live on. How do you ever pay that off? Well, that's what this guy was facing. And that's the illustration God gives. It is the amount of money he owed was so astronomical, he did not stand a chance of repaying it. So he has him sold and all his family and thrown in prison. It says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few hundred dollars. And again, if you go back to the translation, it's a few months of wages, not even a full year. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? 
Then the angry king sent, sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You see, guys, Peter wants to know how many times should I forgive? Should I forgive seven times? And Jesus says, no, you should really forgive without end, without limit. And then he tells this story. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And guys, this is what we are part of. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are in that kingdom. And he says, this is the way things go in the kingdom. And what you see is a man here that won't forgive, even though he has been forgiven. And when you look at this passage, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's, there's two things that, that jump out, that stand out to me, that really come into play when you look at being, what this passage says and about how to be a forgiver. And I'm going to give you, the, give, you the, give it to you right off, and then we're going to talk about these things and what gets in the way of them. But the, the number one thing, you want to know how to be a forgiver and how to make it easy, is you have to have an extremely clear understanding of how much you've been forgiven of. That's it. You have to understand and accept how much you've been forgiven of. I believe this is just so foundational to accepting salvation, to accepting what Jesus has offered us. You know, Mike was right. Mike, when Mike was up here doing communion, and he says, you know, the guy going by, guilty, guilty, guilty. He was right. I don't know how else to put that. wasn't very sensitive, I don't think. But he is guilty. You go read Acts 2. And you look at what Peter has to say. He says, Jesus was the Son of God. He was sent to us. He was proven that He was the Son of God. And you killed Him. And the Bible says, the people were cut to the heart. What's he saying? You're guilty. But that's not all the story. That's not the whole story. You see, guys, it's not a matter of just knowing your guilt. It's a matter of knowing what you've been forgiven of. And how much... And that what you've been forgiven of is so far beyond your ability to, to, to earn a right standing before God. It just can't happen. You can never do enough good things to earn salvation. You can never do enough good things to counteract all the bad things you've done. Do you know that? I mean, that is just the truth of the matter. Now, the awesome part about that is... The more you understand how unlovely you are to God because of your sin, you understand the magnitude of God's love. That's what that's all about. You can't look at one... I mean, yeah, for somebody that just preaches you're guilty, that's bad news. Because when you talk about how, how much somebody has violated God, you've got to say, you've got to offer to them the fact that God's willing to overlook all that. God's willing to forgive all that. Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin. And that's foundational to you following Jesus. And it is the secret to you being able to forgive other people. That is, that is it. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more. The other thing, guys, that's a, that, that makes forgiving easy from this passage is you've got to be committed 
to Jesus really being the Lord of your life. You see, because Jesus is representative here. of the, the master in this story represents Jesus. And what was, what was the master's desire for the servant who had been forgiven? It was to forgive. He desires, Jesus desires, since He forgave all of us, He desires that we forgive each other. Do you know that? That is what He desires. You know, everybody wants to know, what's the will of God? Well, that's part of the will of God. It's very clear. You don't have to wonder. You've been offended? What does God want me to do? He wants you to forgive. The question is, are you going to really let Him be Lord of your life when He asks you to forgive? That's the question. You see, because I believe what, I, what I've just said is, is, is makes forgiveness easy. If Jesus is really Lord of your life, and you really understand how much He's been forgiven to you, it makes forgiving others easier. I will say that. In the beginning, it can be very difficult, but it gains momentum very quickly. But you see, we have some obstacles to forgiving, don't we? There are some things that we don't like. And the first one, the first obstacle to forgiving is that I have a desire for limits. Limits and conditions. You know, I think that's why Peter illustrates this pretty well, doesn't he? How many times do I have to forgive, God Jesus? Come on. Give me the number. And you know there's some of us, if I didn't explain to you that 70 times 7 means without end, there's some people that would keep track very accurately. And be looking forward to number 491. Guys, we, we have limits. Every one of us does, and we want limits and conditions. We only want to go so far. I've told you before, uh, one of the big growth areas in my life that, that uh, Jesus has been teaching me over recent years is to persevere. I am by nature a quitter. I like life easy. I'm willing to work hard as long as I don't have to sweat. And God has touched me to persevere. Three or four years ago, I don't remember when it was. I didn't write it down. It was in the fall after one of these long, hot summers that I was tired of. And I didn't know what the future held for my, for my job and, and earning a living. And I'm like, God, this is what I told God. I said, God, I think I've persevered long enough. Words barely came out of my mouth. They were like, oh, that wasn't a good idea. Why do I do that? I only want to be so much like Jesus. I mean, let's be real, okay? We don't want... I mean, how many of you? Yeah, let me hang, bring, bring out the cross. Put me on it. I don't want to be that much like Jesus. Do you? I'd rather not. I mean, I'm just being honest. That's my nature. And most of the human beings I come in contact with feel very similar. They don't say it that clearly, but... I believe that's what they say by their actions. We have limits. You see, guys, so when it comes to, the, comes to forgiving other people, here's what we do. We look at what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. And in Matthew chapter 6, he says, if you forgive, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And you go, okay, I get it. Okay, I want to be forgiven. I need to forgive. And then we look at Mark 11. And he's talking about if you're standing praying and you remember that somebody has something against you, forgive them. 
So your Father, Heavenly Father, so your Father in Heaven may forgive you. And you say, okay, I get it. I need to forgive other people. Then we come to Luke 17. You know what Luke 17 says about forgiveness? Here, let me read it to you. He says, so watch yourselves. This is verse 3 and 4 of Luke 17. He says, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back and say, I repent, you must forgive them. Yeah, but do you know what we like to focus in on this passage? Three little words. If they repent. You know why? Because we look at that and we go, there's the loophole. If they repent. See, repentance means what? They acknowledge what they did. They say they're sorry. They beg for forgiveness. Make a commitment to never do it again and have a plan of action to make sure it happens. So we define what repentance is and we go, if they repent. And then we look and we say, I don't see them repenting. Guess what? I don't, I, I'm justified. In my resentment, in my bitterness, and my unloving unforgiveness. Does that sound familiar to anybody? See, I, I looked at this passage, and that's what it says. Now, here's the deal. It does say. Here's what it says. If they repent, you forgive them. Does it say anything about what you do if they don't repent? Does it say you don't have to forgive them? It doesn't say that. You see, guys, what happens if somebody, if you, see, you need to understand the, the number one thing God is after with, with you, God wants a relationship with you. Do you know that? He doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to be in a relationship with Him. And He wants us to be in relationship with each other. That's why He said the most important, two important commandments were to love God and to love other people. Now, here's the deal. When somebody, somebody has sinned against you and they're repenting, what are they saying? They're saying, listen, I don't want there to be something between us. I want this relationship to be restored. And what Jesus is saying is, when somebody is desiring what God desires, don't you stand in the way and, don't forget, and not forgive them. You need to open the door. You need to be open to this relationship being restored by you being forgiving. But do you know your position is the same even if they don't repent? Because someday they might. And what are they going to be greeted with? Are they going to be greeted with your love and your forgiveness? And open arms and excitement that they repented and that the relationship is being restored? Or are they going to be greeted with, uh, well, there's five things you need to do. You need to prove this to me. You see, guys, there are no limits to forgiving. There are no conditions to forgiving. That gets in the way of us. I, um, 
And you think about this, guys. This gets back to exactly what we're saying. When you're committed to Jesus as Lord, do you know what that really means? That means you're committed to becoming like Him. You want to be like Him. Look look at the parable in Matthew 18 that we just read. Jesus is the Master. What did the Master do? He forgave. What did He expect the servant to do? Forgive. He he expects us to become like Him. See, guys, we, we, we want to put a limit on that. So when, you, when it comes to forgiving, your commitment to being like Jesus and Him being the Lord of your life is going to be tested. I, I think of, guys, when I think about this, and I think about limitless forgiving, I think of Coral Kimball. Most of you know Coral was a young lady up here with the long hair singing, okay? The skinny one. I say that because I'm not... I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Humility gets another chance to grow here. Mouth gets ahead of your brain. I'm sorry, Mickey. I apologize humbly. Had no thought of you when I said that. Seriously. Just describing Coral. Anyway, back to the story of how awesome of a forgiver of a, Coral is. Coral gave her testimony here a year or two back. I don't remember when it was. And it was nearly ten years ago that Coral, uh, Coral's marriage was disrupted rather dramatically. Her husband had been unfaithful uh, multiple times. Uh, he ended up going to prison as a result of his unfaithfulness. You want the details on it? You, you can speak to Coral about that. Um, I only give you those few details just to know, let you know how traumatic it was. How violated their marriage relationship was. But the amazing part is all through it all. I mean, from early on, through the separation, and even after the divorce, people were amazed at Coral's desire to forgive him. Now, they've never, that relationship has never been restored. Okay? But Coral's desire was to forgive. In fact, I, I mean, I, my, I heard one person say, she's just a better person than me. And what they're saying is, She's got more of a commitment to be like Jesus than I would have under those circumstances. I mean, it was like, Coral said, there's no limit to this. There's no limit. I was asking Coral's permission to share this earlier. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't remember who said this. And I don't remember, they didn't use this word. But what was communicated was like, is she delusional? Why, why would she even... Coral understands God. She understands forgiveness. She understands that she's been forgiven of a lot. And that Jesus forgives. And that we're supposed to be like Him. And she wasn't going to put a limit on that. Guys, we can't have limits. Jesus didn't have limits with us. And we shouldn't have limits. Um, Next thing. 
that gets in the way is that I want to keep score. I want to, I want to keep score, don't you? When do you not forgive when they violated me more than I violated them? Yes, I've done some things wrong, but not that. Okay? And you can fill it in. You know what it is. And you compare yourselves to others. One of the things that, uh, it, was, it was interesting, in the, we, we, I do this same lesson at 8.30 in the morning for the teachers that are teaching our children in the back. And it's a smaller group. It's a much more informal group. And uh, people will talk back to me. They'll ask questions in the middle of it. And Kathleen Hyman said, do you think when we first were talking about the story and the man who went out and tried to get the money back from his other friend, do you think he was trying to still pay the, the master back? I said, that's, a, that's exactly what I think he was doing. He was trying to say, you haven't paid me back, but I'm going to pay back. I've got a commitment to pay back. And he's trying to... Comp- Guys, that's one of the things that happens and why we don't forgive is we want to compare ourselves to everybody else. We want to compare our sin to everybody else. Well, how many times have you heard, well, at least I'm not a murderer. I'm not a rapist. I'm a good guy. You know? I just don't... You fill in the blank. Guys, we want to keep score. And the truth is, I know what your score is. I can tell you your score, and I'm going to tell it to you right now, okay? Who wants to know? (laughs) Bob, quick. (laughs) It's too much. The person next to you, their, their score is too much. There is no way they ever have the ability to repay God. To earn salvation, to get the right to stand before God. It's too much. You can't do it. See, guys, we're all on an equal playing field. When you start comparing yourself to somebody else, you forget that you are just as guilty. They don't deserve your forgiveness, and you don't either. The question is, are you going to accept God's forgiveness and offer forgiveness? See, I think that's what was really going on with this guy in the story. And I know Jesus, when he told parables, you can dig too deep into them. But I believe that the guy was trying to, he was saying, yeah, I'll accept your forgiveness only till I can pay it back. And then I've earned it. And that's what we look for sometimes from other people. We keep score because we want to make sure we've been paid back. Guys, the last thing I want to talk about that gets in the way is that I want to be right. That gets in the way of forgiving, is that you have a desire to be right. When you have a conflict, when you're in an argument, you want to be right. Or I do. That's why I'm in the argument. I think I'm right. And not only do I want to be right, I want everybody to know I'm right. Have you ever heard of a, a, a term used? Uh, I'm sure I read it somewhere. I was checking some of my notes from a previous lesson, and I had this in here. It's called a justifiable resentment. You know what that means? Uh, I've justified my actions. I think what I've, the way I, my resentment is justified. You know what that means is I'm right 
they're wrong, I'm okay. I'm justified. Guys, you need to know something when you talk about this. We can't justify our lack of forgiveness. You can't do it. Which do you, which do you want more? Do you want to be people to see you as being right? Or do you want to be like Jesus? Which do you want more? You see, one of the things that we have this joke in our small group, and my wife reminds me of it all the time. I used to do that. You know, how do you, you disagree with somebody and you can't really prove it and they can't really prove it, but you really disagree with them. And how do you come to resolution to it? And I came to it, I came up with a saying that helps me do it. And I'll tell them when I'm in a disagreement with somebody and to kind of, you know, it's usually over something trivial. It doesn't matter. I go, you know, you may be right. You may be wrong, too. But I just acknowledge the fact that, look, you may be right. And I don't care if I'm wrong. That's what I'm really saying when I say that. I'm saying it to myself. I don't care if I'm wrong. I'm not going to be concerned with being right. I disagree with you, but you may be right, and I don't care if I'm wrong. You see, guys, when Jesus died on the cross, you know what people saw when they walked by that day? When the average Jewish person walked by or the average Roman person walked by? You know what they saw? They didn't see the Son of Man dying for the sins of humanity. They saw a criminal who in their mind was getting what he deserved. And you see, the truth of the matter is, Jesus was willing to look wrong to millions of people so that I could be right with him. Now the question is, which are you more interested in? See, because it's a whole lot easier to forgive than it is to prove you're right. And guys, that's what you, your, your lordship of Jesus is going to be challenged. What is Jesus? Did you know Jesus, Jesus doesn't, compare, doesn't, doesn't care about you being right? As much as he cares about you being a forgiver? That's what he's concerned about. The man in the story who was going out and demanding money from his fellow servant, was he right? Did the guy owe him money? He was right. But he wasn't a forgiver. And that's what God wanted from him. You see, guys, becoming like Jesus should be what I call a trump card in all of our discussions. You know, do you play cards? Does anybody play cards? You do? I like to play spades. Some card, some card games you play, and um, you get the name Trump. Okay? And what that means is there's one suit that is more powerful than the other. Now, in spades, it's always spades. That's the name of the game. And what does that mean? That means that if you have a spade, it is more powerful than any other card that anybody puts down. If somebody puts down an ace of hearts, and you've got the two of, two of spades, guess what? You trump them. You win. You are more powerful. The two of spades is more powerful than the queen of hearts. Guys, the trump card in our lives and in our decisions and specifically on whether or not we forgive, it should be, do I want to be like Jesus? Not, do I want to be right? Do I want to be like Jesus? 
You see, guys, as we talk about being forgivers, and I believe, I don't know who you are, but I'm guessing there's a few people in this crowd today that have somebody in their life that they may need to forgive. If you don't, by the end of the day, you may. Okay? You may say something really stupid in front of people and need forgiveness. Or need to forgive somebody. How can she not forgive me? <laughs> Guys, you're going to be confronted. I say that in a humorous way, but you are, you are going to be confronted with the need to forgive somebody. I don't care who you are. The only way to do... I don't, I don't know how you can avoid it. I... I had to apologize to somebody this week for sinning against... I said, you never realize this is all taking place in my head. It was a judgment. But it's been going on for 20 years. 20 years. I had to explain. They've been out of my life for the most part for 20 years. And I had made a judgment on them based on uh, secondhand information. One side of the story, so to speak. And I was wrong. And I had to apologize for that. I had to ask forgiveness. Guys, forgiveness is something you will be confronted with. Whether it's giving it or receiving it. But giving it is the bigger challenge. And guys, the question is, do you realize how much you've been forgiven of? You see, you can ask God and He will answer that prayer for you. If you ask God to show you how much you've been forgiven of, he will show you. Now, I know, I know that probably scares the fire out of most of you. As it does me. I have no desire for God to sit down with me and show me a videotape of all my sins. All my thoughts. Okay? God is an understanding, patient, gracious, merciful God. And He will show you what you can handle. And then He'll show you more a little later on. Like I said, He just showed me this, this week, 20 years ago. Do you want to know how much you've been forgiven of? Do you have an accurate view of that? I encourage you to ask God to show you if you don't. If you're having a hard time forgiving somebody specifically, you ask God to show you how much you've been forgiven of. And then, guys, I want you to check. How committed to you are doing what Jesus your Lord says? Because that's what forgiveness involves. Let's pray. And the worship team will come up. Thank you. Father, you are incredible. Father, I'm amazed at how simple you make things when we do what you say. Father, you said that if we seek, we will find. Father, I believe we are seeking how to be forgivers of people. Father, when we're hurt, we don't know how to handle that sometimes. And we want to respond the wrong way. We want, we feel justified. Father, I want to pray right now. There's a couple hundred people, maybe 300 people in this room right now. And Father, I know not every person is in the same place. I'm sure there are people in this room who have been violated and abused in some traumatic ways that forgiving is, is, is next to impossible for. Father, that may be years ago, it may be recent. But it's a challenge. Father, there's others in this room that are, we, we, just, we maybe just don't see ourselves right. 
Father, our, our sin isn't something grievous, but it's something of the heart. Father, we need to know what we've been forgiven of so that we can forgive others. Father, I can tell you, life is so much easier when we do things your way. Father, I ask you to show us. Show us our sins. Father, show us your love. And help us be committed to you as Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.